0: Hello, I'm James Batchelor and you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Matt Handrahan. Matt, how are you doing?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Last week, last few days, we have a team ravaged by illness, so it's all hands on the pump at the moment. We we're really looking do. forward to the Christmas break.
0: We were quietly hoping to have a few more people on uh, to discuss this. We'll be we'll be talking to Brendan later, but um, yeah, our team is slowly being whittled down as the year draws to a close. Mm. Um, but yes, so it's just you and me then to discuss game of the year, something that absolutely yeah. no one on the internet has an opinion on.
1: Yeah, indeed. well we we generally we generally haven't had an opinion on this subject in the past. We've tended to concentrate purely on our favorite games, like personal choices rather than attempt to land on any objective. This is the best game of the year um for 2017 or any previous year, but this is the year that that changes. This is the year that we decided as a team that potentially we could we could elect one game that is as close to a definitive best game of the year as you can um can can arrive at and I actually think that it kind of actually that 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 change logically flowed from just how good did the game that we chose actually is right I mean I remember the conversation and it was just. The idea that too many of us were going to select the same game as our game of the year. So maybe from now on, we could actually come to a consensus pick and then still have our own personal choices as well.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if 2018 or any other year kind of produces a game that, that we all so unanimous, unanimously love. I mean, like, yeah, previous years, <laughs> as you say, we've all had our own personal favourites. But this year, there would have been so much like, almost squabbling over who gets to write about this particular game. Um, yeah,
1: well, I mean, I wouldn't be among them because I actually haven't played this game. But I'm I'm more than happy as, you know, editor in chief to stand back and allow the team to steer the ship on that one. Um, but, I, but I think it's one of those games where there's no there's no coherent argument against this being named game of the year. Actually, no, there is only one, but it's actually by the same company. So I guess we just come out and say it and that these are these two games, the two clear best of the year are both from Nintendo.
0: Yeah. And I think I think everyone now already knows what our game of the year is going to be. Like it's 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 on so many lists. Yeah. It's Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's yeah, it's unquestionably yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild. I mean, maybe Mario Odyssey could have come close to it, but there's there's so much reinvention in Zelda. There's so much that's yeah. fresh and new. that it couldn't be anything else.
1: Yeah, well, because my so my perspective on this is limited by the fact that I actually haven't played it much to my shame, but uh, I don't have a switch. That's something that will happen for me in the new year. But I am, I was interested in it because I'm I'm not the biggest Zelda fan. Like I I have uh, a problem with the way a lot of Zelda games are appraised and reviewed within the industry. Mm. There's there's been this idea right that Mario is the franchise that's all about new ideas and reinvention every single game. And the Zelda's about the same story being told over and over and over again. The thing is that the way Zelda is thought about in that respect, you know, the temples and the structure of the game is always very, very similar. I just thought if any other series did this, wouldn't it just be criticized for not being original enough? You know, so so there's always been this thing about Zelda, but this seemed to be the Zelda game that came along and genuinely wanted to reinvent what the actual franchise was, what it stood for, incorporate ideas that have, you know, come along in the last 20 years, basically. I mean, Zelda, Zelda has been, you know, praised for telling the story, same story again and again. But realistically, you could just see that as being stuck in its ways you know, to a large degree.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what I love is it's kind of it's a weird blend between complete reinvention and actually going back to its roots. Like the you know the comparisons they were making in the build up to Breath of the Wild coming out between Breath of the Wild and the original NES Zelda. In terms of you you start the original NES Zelda, and yes, most people walk straight into that cave, grab the sword, mm. and then you can easily find your way to the the first dungeon. And I'm doing that in air quotes, which doesn't work on podcasts, but it just it's the first dungeon because it's the one that most people mm-hmm. find first, but you could do it in any order. this one, yeah yeah, you've got an hour or so of tutorial on the great plateau, but even then that's largely free form in terms of how you approach it and then as soon as you're off that plateau, the entire world is yours to choose from. You can just go in any direction you want and you and it's it's about building yourself up to to fight the challenges that you find wherever you find them
1: so the uh the open nature of this new Zelda game is the reason why I want to play it, and and it's through, and you know and that and that hasn't been true of Skyward Sword, and it hasn't been true of Zelda in a long long time, I don't think, because it's in that respect it's similar to games that I enjoy playing the most, a game like The Witcher Three, a game like Skyrim or Fallout, those big open RPG type experiences are exactly what I want. It also has well, it sounds like it has you know touches of maybe Far Cry 2's weapon degradation system in it, for example. And that also really gets me going. So there do seem to be a lot of modern flourishes to this Zelda, Zelda game, which, I mean, as you say, you know, is rooted in its own traditions. But most of the people I know that, that love it do feel that it's the most forward-thinking Zelda game, well, in a long, long time.
0: Massively. And you, you can go back to other games and... Having played Zelda and still find like oh why can't I do this? Some things like the climbing, being able to climb absolutely any surface, and obviously depending on your stamina meter. But if you've got enough stamina potions or, or food or whatever, you can just climb indefinitely. Yeah. And then going back to other games, even like um, I finally started Mario and going back to Mario and not being able to climb everything because obviously Mario doesn't climb; he jumps. It's really jarring. Like I actually I think one of the things I played straight after um uh zelda was i think it was shadow of war and assassin's creed which are both known for their climbing and their parkour and stuff but you can't climb everything you can only climb certain objects and certain buildings all right a lot of it a lot of the landscape you can climb but it's not absolutely everything whereas zelda yeah anything you can see anything you can imagine reaching you can reach
1: yeah well, as I say, I mean, it's an it's a experience I look forward to having um, and I look forward to Nintendo making a game again that, that feels like it's intended for a gamer like me. Because I think Nintendo obviously are brilliant innovators and they're very beloved, but I didn't grow up with Nintendo consoles. I didn't have a Nintendo console in the house. I had PCs, I had Amigas, I had Spectrums. And uh, I think the only console I ever had as a kid um, was I didn't even have a PlayStation. You know, I had like a, a master system and that's it. So I have no actual nostalgic affection for any Nintendo series. I don't I don't actually understand the appeal of Mario as like an aesthetic franchise, like the character itself, the Mushroom Kingdom. It doesn't actually do anything to me. You know, I appreciate the design ideas on display, but this this is the this zelda game is the one game in i don't know 10 years that i really really feel like this could actually feel like it's intended for someone like me
0: oh absolutely and this one is the one that most feels like it's it's accessible to newcomers in that you don't need any kind of prior knowledge either of the the kind of the lore the storyline or even the mechanics like I, I remember they tried this with skyward sword they said that skyward sword was going to be great as a first zelda for people yeah. the problem was they did that in a way that it was frustrating for established zelda fans because you would led by the hand through absolutely everything, which honestly hadn't changed much since Ocarina of Time. Skyward Sword was still that Ocarina of Time mechanics and formula, and yet you were being drip-fed the information all the way through. This honestly just welcomes you into it, whether you've played Zelda's before or not. It's just, honestly, just go out and explore, have fun, experiment with what you can do.
1: So answer me this then. Why is this Zelda game of the year and not Super Mario Odyssey, which has been, again, don't have a Switch, haven't played it, but that has been praised to similar levels. But I do feel like this Zelda is the one that, people, that is almost unanimously declared as the the game of the year.
0: Well, granted, I'm not too far into Odyssey yet, but the, there is nowhere near the level of reinvention. There's mm. a, the, I see Odyssey is more about refinement than reinvention. It's refining yeah. the kind of the controls of Mario, the idea, the concepts of jumping and puzzling and, and exploring and collecting stuff. But it is all stuff that by and large is similar to what you have done in previous in previous Mario games. And I think because Mario games are always about here's loads of new ideas, as as you've said, Yep. The, the difference between each iteration isn't as stark. Zelda is so vastly different to everything that has, be, uh, has come before it in the series that it feels new. It feels much newer than Oddity can be. Also, I don't know what it is about Zelda, but you just can't put it down. I kind of finished, um, mm-hmm. I say finished, in, again in air quotes, Like I've done the four Divine Beasts, which are the four main dungeons, and then I've beaten the final boss, and I've still got loads left you know, loads of shrines left to find and loads of Korok seeds left, and you can't help but just go back and want to find and explore, you know, explore areas you yeah. didn't explore before and finish off shrines, and you're always discovering something new. Whereas, from what I've
1: how do you play it? Do you play it handheld? Do you play it connected oh, to a TV? I have played used to-
0: my Switch entirely in handheld, and I have to admit, this is probably partly why. Zelda's my game of the year because it's the one I've spent most time with. The nature of my life at the moment, I have, a, I have a son, I have a wife. We don't have a great deal of time for just sitting around in leisure. So I don't play many games at home. And when I do play games at home, I'm trying to play them on the Xbox or the PS4 because I can take my Switch with me. Yeah. When I'm coming down to our office in Brighton, I'm playing Zelda for three hours on the train home. When we're going to conferences, I'm playing Zelda on the plane or at the airport or in the hotel. That's where yeah. I'm getting my time in. So I've played the entire game in handheld mode.
1: Well, no, but I think that this is not, you know, for me, the use case is not distinct. In this case, is not distinct from the game itself. Like, is, is part of that, you know, unputdownable aspect of the Zelda experience related to the Switch Switch hardware itself? Because the Switch hardware you know, there's no secret people love the experience of playing it, but that, that does seem to open up the possibility of another hour of Zelda here, another hour of Zelda there. Whereas like for me, I'm similar to you. I mean, I don't have a family, but I have limited time for games, you know, in general, but you know, but it, but I still feel like I need to almost make an appointment with myself to play the PS4 or the Xbox. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with that. And if I'd got Breath of the Wild on the Wii U, which was originally my intention was, I was determined to get the Wii U version because I didn't think I'd get a Switch. Um, Mm. I know that if I had got it on Wii U and I didn't have a Switch now, I wouldn't have even come, I'd probably still be on the Great Plateau, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very much down to the hardware and the portability of it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that has that, the same effect as more third-party games come to Switch, um, mm-hmm. whether people are able to put more time into them.
1: But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more more inclined to get one now that you have, say, Skyrim, now that you've got Doom, now you have games that are, you know, they're, they're very much, I, I could see myself playing Skyrim through from beginning to end for about the fifth time because it's on Switch, you know what I mean? Just the, the ability to eat up a plane journey by starting a new character on Skyrim seems like a no-brainer basically, and I need to spend three hundred pounds of my money on that machine in the sales next year. So yeah, yeah. So
0: you haven't been playing Switch, you haven't been playing Zelda. What have you been playing? What have you most enjoyed this year then? Um,
1: well, I mean, I, I the, see. This for me was actually quite a difficult decision because I actually think it's been a very good year for games. It's been, I think, mostly of. On, on most years, my favourite game wouldn't necessarily be one of the big franchise installments. But I actually think it's been a really, really solid year for franchise installments. I mean, the game that I'm playing at the moment, um pretty far into it now and I absolutely love it. It's Assassin's Creed Origins.
0: Mm, I've just started that myself and love it.
1: And that surprised me a lot because I wasn't... I uh, I got... I played Unity, I played Syndicate, and neither of those grabbed me. I think I was a little fatigued by the formula. Um, the, I think, the, the, for, I think the, the franchise was due a rest about two years before it actually got one. I think they, they, they overkilled it definitely at Ubisoft. Um, I potentially think it could have even done with another year than the, the amount of time they gave it, but. I think they've made some very smart design choices. Um, I think they've they've kind of made it feel a bit more like an RPG than they did before. Um, but, but realistically, I mean, it, it's mainly just how good that open world feels to be in. I mean, I, Ubisoft got a lot of criticism for a lot of their open world games feeling similar. But one of the other games I played this year, Shadow of War, which I didn't really like a lot, kind of what it did for mostly was highlight that actually ubisoft is really quite good at doing these open world games it really really knows how to make a world fun to be in fun to interact with and that I, I must have sunk 50 hours into assassin's creed origins and i'm just not bored of roaming around ancient egypt um the egypt fact in fact the egypt the egypt aspect is a very important part of that as well i'm a big history buff and the, the detail of it, the size of it, the scale of it, I think is just wonderful.
0: But just the attention to detail. I saw a YouTube um, compilation of footage and, and stuff from Assassin's Creed Origins where they were just looking at the little details. Things like the, the dust in the sand that you kick up as you're running through the desert blows in the direction of the wind. But the one that yeah. staggered me was if you're in photo mode and you zoom in on the horse or your camel's eye... There is yeah. a reflection in the eye of the landscape they're looking at. Now, that is something really? that, genuinely, that is something like, no, why go to that level of detail? But that, I think, is a testament to how seriously Ubisoft take these kind of big open world games, and particularly Assassin's Creed, is making them so detailed, so realistic. And that's such a tiny little touch that you might not notice, but it all adds yep. to that polish and quality that, that gives you a great experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the other big one for me, the other game that really stands out is Resident Evil 7. Uh, Again, this is a series that between five and six, I I, I grew a bit tired of it. I mean, obviously Resident Evil 4 is a masterpiece and reinvented the series. And this, I suppose, potentially is maybe like a Zelda-ish moment for Resident Evil. I mean, I think it's inspired the approach they took with it. I think it's tight. I think it's focused. It's incredibly nasty and just very, very scary indeed. It just hits every single button that I want Resident Evil to hit and really feels like a new, very, very contemporary direction for the series to head in. And you know, we're a we're a sequels driven industry and the the amount that don't get anywhere near that that many, you know positive qualities is is staggering so to have something like Resident Evil 7 which comes along and gets pretty much every single thing right manages to capture the feel of Resident Evil while being entirely different from what's come before then I think you have to take your hat off to that.
2: Mm,
0: definitely we, we do seem to be in this wonderful age where not age but like kind of, there is a number of franchises now that having been around for a long time are completely reinventing themselves not only for a new audience but also for those who are starting to get fatigued as you say Zelda, Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil, all great examples of reinvention. And I'm hoping we see more of that in the next few years.
1: Yeah. I mean, Wolfenstein is another example of that. The new Wolfenstein game is fantastic. Um, another another game, I mean, this is not, um, this is not uh, necessarily a reinvention because I'm not well-versed on the series, but Persona 5, which got its um, release outside of Japan at the start of this year, is an absolutely staggeringly good game. I mean... Unbelievable storytelling, emotionally sensitive, vividly imagined. Like that. That is I, it's the sort of thing that would, would have passed me by. I've never played another game in the series. But yeah, it, in a sequels driven industry, you really want people to be getting better and better at delivering those sequels. And particularly at the high end, I think that's pretty much all we're going to get for the foreseeable future as well
0: definitely also like companies trying new things with with their franchise and i know that's a, a fairly tenuous segue but one of the other games yeah. i wanted to talk about was um marion rabbits kingdom battle yeah i remember when that leaked i was among the people who maybe not quite you know death threats on twitter outrage but looking at and thinking this just looks stupid mm-hmm. who yeah. the hell wants mario with guns and honestly who needs a new rabbits game and yeah, yet right. you play it, and there's just something so satisfying about it. There's like it's it's it feels. I've never played the old XCOM games. I have to say, so it's kind of new to me. The whole um, turn-based strategy, but you pull off certain moves where like you 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 can take a character, knock one out. Cause, like there, there are things you can combine in one move. Mm-hmm. So in one move, you can move, knock out a character take vantage point, shoot that character and then use a special move to take out another character. And it's when you're putting together those skills and wiping a map clean of, of evil rabbits.
1: Yeah.
0: just I And mean, the, the, the two characters, the two worlds combining, it just feels so, it feels so very Nintendo just yeah. not being Nintendo. It's genuinely worth a, a look if, for anyone who's got a Switch.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a common feature in our Games of the Year Roundup, which will be pu- pu- published on the same day that this podcast goes live. Um, uh, but again, it's it's a Switch game. It's a Switch game I wish I owned. It's a Switch game I wish I'd had the chance to play. But but I also feel like across the team, the people who had access to the Switch, the Switch has kind of dominated everything they've played since it, since it launched earlier this year.
0: Mm, absolutely, and again, that that kind of goes back down to that that use case use case again, um, because you yeah. know because we can take it on the go because we can play it wherever. Um, so I think I think Nintendo almost has an unfair advantage in that. But then no, it's, it's it's smart. It's catering to not only the people who are playing games at home, but the people who are are not playing games at home who yeah. are wishing they could be playing games at home, but are actually out and about working.
1: So. Yeah, and it's also been you know it's also been a platform where I think has been free of the, you know, the loot box monetization issues that have plagued so many of the key releases this year. I mean, I I think that's that's been an issue, you know, like Battlefront was marred by that, Destiny 2 was marred by that, Forza was marred by that. I mean I, I play FIFA more than any other game out there and that was you know that that had some of that in there. Just a lot of games this year have have come out and and maybe not impressed or been reviled more than they more than they ordinarily would have expected to be purely because of their approaches to monetization but you don't really get that on a Nintendo platform i no. mean mobile, mobile games aside of course
0: of course i mean while we while we're on that i mean yeah, battlefront in terms of game quality is a really high quality game it's, it's mm-hmm. genuinely quite impressive i mean although in our game of the year feature which as you say will be live on the site I listed it as my biggest disappointment, and, and purely because, not because of the loot box rubbish, but because as as great as the game looks and as great as it feels when you play, there's still just not quite enough content there yeah. to satisfy people. And again, it and, and the, I think that stems purely from all of the effort has gone into the multiplayer, and then all these seasons of content, which are inevitably yes. going to be multiplayer centric, like it, it's. I mean, I'm not going to go into the whole death of the single-player rubbish that people were talking about earlier, because obviously single-player games aren't going to go. But it does feel like there's a shift, in, in, with the and biggest co- publishers and the biggest licences, away from short, standalone, enjoyable games to bigger, endless, try-and-get-recurrent-consumer-spending games.
1: Yeah, it could, it could be as much a shift within multiplayer as it is a shift away from single-player, though. I mean, I, I think with a company like EA right now, they could there could have been way 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 more content in that release at launch but they they want you to keep on coming back throughout a year so they're not putting everything they have planned in up front i mean that's pretty well established at this point but i think what what we're probably moving towards is that a disc to an ea game is probably more or less just like a I don't know. It's almost like a, it's almost symbolic now, right? Like you put it in the hard drive just so you can access a, a live, persistent service mm. um, that will have regular content drops, no different from an MMO. That's exactly what Destiny is. I mean, they're still selling it on discs, but but we have seen, I think, what, what was it, fifty percent or more of Destiny Two's copy sales were digital. Yeah. I mean, the the Rubicon has been crossed in that respect, and Activision is now thinking about their game as an MMO. There's no two ways about it. I mean. MMO design informed the first destiny but but it but you should also we should also see it as a as a broad trend towards just the way that content is now they now want content to be structured they want people to be playing every week all year round and that and that will inform and so I think these ideas if there's a, there being enough content not enough content I think those ideas are the things that we probably need to kiss goodbye to because we only know how much value we get out of games now after we played them for six months yeah that's true yeah so I mean, just to, to me it does challenge what i understand a game to be like i'm of the older generation so are you batch i mean mm. we 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 didn't grow up with these sorts of um with these sorts of standards to apply. So it's, it's a case of us sort of recalibrating ourselves and trying to trying to see games through the prism that, that, that the current age now demands. And I think we need to do that in order to be effective journalists, because I do agree with a large amount of the pushback against this monetization stuff. However, I do think some of it is reactionary and a little bit like King Canute trying to hold back the tide. Like yeah. This is the way things are going and we need to we need to re, redefine what value actually is now. We need to redefine what our expectations should be rather than just knee jerk reactions left and right every time something that challenges our received notions turns up.
0: Massively, and and as we've covered on the site before, like you know the rising cost of, of game development. Like you look at the amount of money that is being poured into these games and the quality that you're getting for it. Of course, mm-hmm. they need to recoup that cost. Your know, game prices haven't changed yeah. in best part of ten years easily. Like so, of course, you know they're going to need to source that money somewhere else. We are getting yeah. off onto a tangent um, that that we could quite. Uh, that's a rabbit hole we could fall we are, quite but, far but, down. But, so. you know,
1: we are we are getting on that tangent, but I think. This year, more than any other, games of the year discussion needs to involve monetization, you know, and, and for, for those reasons. There are people, there are games this year that some people would have said at the start, this will be my game of the year, that will not be their game of the year, and purely because of the way that companies are now making money.
0: Yeah, that's true, that is true. And stepping away, though, from the large yep. AAA monetization stuff, is there anything kind of in the in the indie or mobile space that's has particularly impressed you this year? Anything on a smaller yeah, no. scale?
1: So the one the one game, I mean this I'm I'm not. Um, I mean the thing for me with mobile games is I'm generally always playing catch up because obviously there's so many games and I'm not a mo. What I will do is I'll just load up my phone with as many games as I can before I go on a journey and I'll work my way through them. But but it's really hard to know like when games when those games actually came out. One thing that did come out this year was something called Data Wing. Which was made made by a guy called Dan Vogt, who was one of the founders of Halfbrick, the Fruit Ninja developer. He now he now he's now got his own company, his own studio, likely funded by all of that Halfbrick money, no doubt, because uh, that was a very successful company. And he just released this game, Data Wing. It's like it's like a top down racer where you're like a triangle, like in Asteroids. And the handling of this triangle is very similar to Asteroids. It's like physics based, so you sort of yeah, it has it has momentum. And you kind of you have to race around these tracks. When you touch the sides, you get a if you touch the sides at the right angle, it gives you like a boost. As the game goes on, it works in gravity and magnets and things to avoid. It's difficult to describe, but but that that's kind of it's like, yeah, asteroids with gravity as a top-down racer. But it also has this portal-esque crazy AI working away in the background there's like a narrative underneath it all and it's really funny and it's very addictive to play it's only about three hours long and it's entirely free no monetization no ads no in-app purchases no cost to download it's extremely well made and he's even um dan danvo is even like crowdsourcing the localization so he's just turning to the community who can speak arabic who can make who can turn who can put my game out into out into those countries? who can speak Portuguese, who can speak French? and he's pushing the game out into the world through the crowd, not charging a penny for it. Um, and you know what? in mobile, that is such a rare thing, I think. Um, mm, and, and what funny. it made me think, I mean for, for a start, I would love to see him develop that into a full game because it is only a few hours long. But, uh, but I think the, the, the mechanics are great and the, the, the story is great, the writing is really funny. I'd love to see it developed further. But more, more, more than anything, what it made me see is like in how many, how many instances on mobile have we seen of a game that has the, like this quality at its core that is in fact sullied a little bit by the need for in-up purchases, or the need for an advert every now and again. And I would pay a pound for data wing. But like what, what it makes you realise is that the market actually doesn't support paying a pound, really, for most developers. And so most developers, maybe they're being distracted from creating great great products like DataWing because how do you make it work? How do you make it pay you if you can't put in ads and in-app purchases because no one's going to pay you up front for it? So I think it was definitely the most fun I had on a mobile phone this year. And it was also a bit of an eye-opener for me that, yeah, they're – we could really do with the mobile market having having an op, having a, an audience that really is willing to pay people a premium price because I think we're losing out on ideas like this one and and products executed to that standard. Mm.
0: I have to confess, I'm I'm one of those people that that very rarely invests mm. in a mobile game, and I tend to play the free to play ones, but then I get frustrated because after a week or so your progress is slow to a crawl unless you then monetize And it's just the nature of the beast. And I know that when I'm getting into it, but kind of New Year's resolution almost, I want to start playing a few more premium games, because the new range is out, the new Monument Valley is out. I played both of the originals of those, and I loved them, and I can't believe I haven't played the sequels yet. so I need. I, I do want to invest because there's some so many great games out there. So many great games out out, out there that are that are premium and aren't getting the audience yeah. they deserve. How about
1: you? What about what what from the indie world? Do you do you have time with uh, with the babies running around everywhere? <laughs>
0: I've been trying. I've been trying to dip into a few more indie games than I usually do. And you know what? Again, having a Switch now, I kind of want to start playing a few more because people are going go nuts for indie games on the Switch. I played. I played a couple. Rhyme. Yeah. I enjoyed. Um, I haven't played all the way through, but I enjoyed what I did play. Like there's just something serene about the the gameplay. Like it's just nice and calm and relaxing. The soundtrack is beautiful. The visuals are like nice and stylish. It's very unique. I, I, th- I it kind of highlighted something that um, I need to work on as a player again. Kind of going back to the managing expectations. So I, I think I was playing rhyme. For about half an hour, 45 minutes, one time. And I looked back on that session, I thought, right, all I've done there is pushed some blocks around and yeah. reached a tower. And then I, and immediately after I played that, I then played 45 minutes of ukulele yeah. and I got like three or four pages. Yeah. And it's like clearly I've become that person that needs that instant gratification to feel like they're accomplishing yeah. something, which is a shame because I'm missing out on things like Rhyme, things like what remains yeah. of Evil's Finch. I've got so many games that I've downloaded but haven't seen. Yeah, no, that's
1: yet. it. I mean, I, I'm. Uh, there's a PS4 sitting in the other room for me, which has about 15 games that I pledged that I would play before I go back to work in not very long. Basically, so I, I maybe I'll mm-hmm. get to the end of one or two of them. Maybe I'll play maybe three or four hours of half a dozen of them, but there's no way I'm getting to all of them. And my my list of shame it grows more and more shameful with every single passing year. But you know, there's very very little you can do. You can just have to try and make as smart smarter. Uh, Smart, the smartest choices you can from year to year about what to play. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, it's kind of like you say, like you said earlier, like making. You almost feel like you have to make an appointment mm-hmm. for yourself because some of these indie games that you play, like like I, like I started Rhyme. And I thought, right, I need to sit down this and give this proper yeah. time, and I haven't found that time. I've downloaded What Remains of Edith Finch. I really wanted to get Hellblade, and I still haven't got it yet. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I should play those in almost one yeah. sitting. Me too. Because it feels like that's how they're structured, but that's just not possible. Maybe, maybe that's my ignorance as to how accessible they are. Maybe they are pick up and play, and you can do them a few minutes yeah. at a time.
1: But I think that, uh, that a lot of yeah. these games are likely to end up on the Switch before too long. The way that thing is selling, I, I, I just think it, it's, a, it's such a logical next step for any developer with a back catalogue to monetize to take.
0: Definitely, definitely. And um, we're going to get Brendan on shortly, but before we go, I wanted to ask, what are you looking forward to in 2018? What games are you most... Red Dead Redemption
1: 2. Uh, I I it's will the say obvious that answer, isn't it? I, uh, <laughs> I, I attend a bunch of conferences sometimes as a speaker, and my speaker bio has contained the line, he waits impatiently for Red Dead Redemption 2 for six straight years now. So this is the year <laughs> that my speaker bio... Changes and I could not be more excited for Red Dead Redemption Two to the point where all other games uh, fade into insignificance in my mind and my heart.
0: I really am looking forward to that because I, I I adored mm. the original. Maybe not quite as much as you, but the best game ever. But, um, but I, 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 it's one of those things it's that whole Rockstar thing of they show us so little of the game before it actually comes out and I actually find myself now as like right Rockstar like Red Dead will be with us within the next yeah. six months barring any further delay it should be with us within the next six months I'm expecting kind of Mayish like yeah. the original was and we still know nothing more about it the trailer that they most recently released just showed it's going to be more like Red Dead but that, and that's both a good and a bad thing I don't know I guess I'm hoping for something
1: incredible I think you might get and it. I'm not, i I, just, I, I do. its Rockstar, man. Like Rockstar, there's there's really no re- I, for me like Rockstar's like Nintendo. There's really no reason to doubt that the games it releases are going to be no. really really good. They, it's been a long time. Is I and mean, you have to go back to the era when they were experimenting with PSP, when they were experimenting with smaller games like Rockstar Table Tennis. Though Rockstar Table Tennis was still a great game, I think. And, and even the smaller, more experimental stuff they were doing back their Midnight Club, for example, was still good quality. But I mean, it, it's, they're, yeah. they're, you know, in that sort of AAA space, I think they're almost, maybe Naughty Dog aside, I think they're virtually without peer, really.
0: I guess I'm just hoping that it's still going to be a great single player story, and it's not just like there's inevitably going yeah. to be the Red Dead Online mode, given how well GTA 5 is, online has done. I expect we'll be getting Red Dead Online content drops for the yeah. next two, three years, and that's fine. And I will absolutely dabble in that because I had some amazing moments on the first yeah. Red Dead multiplayer mode. But I hope they don't scrimp on for me the real selling point of the first one was John Weston's story, and I really hope I, they do. I
1: don't that. think you'll be disappointed. i uh, they've had. What would it be? It would be seven years to make this game. And, Easy, and then yeah. they've had seven years of hundreds and hundreds of people working. I think it will be a bigger single-player mode than previously. I don't know if the story will be better, because the story to Red Dead is absolutely wonderful. I mean, the way it ended and so on and so forth, so classy, mm. so well-considered. I, I think that is what Rockstar pride themselves on. I think they see online as a totally separate thing and you know hence gta online being launched is basically a separate game like the, the gta line is not the multiplayer mode of gta 5 it's a separate product in their eyes
0: yeah, yeah. that is true that is true
1: what Sorry about then. you in 2018 then i'm actually quite looking forward to far cry 5 <laughs> and i think that's largely
0: because i missed far cry 4 i played a lot of far cry primal i enjoyed it but that feels like such a separate yeah. product so i've not had a far cry since far cry 3 and I, I, I played like twenty minutes at EGX, and it was just yeah, I'm ready for another one of these. And the setting really intrigues me. And obviously, like I, I, we spoke to Dan Hay recently about mm-hmm. why they've gone for that setting and how this fantastical setting they've come up with is actually starting to, you know, come worryingly close to the real world that we live yeah. in. I'm just intrigued to see how they handle that. I'm not expecting like an incredible statement on the world and and you know extreme cults and so forth. But I just wanted, yeah. I'm just ready to explore another Far Cry world, so I'm really, really looking forward to
1: that one. Yeah, if it's got an open world, then I'm, I'm there for sure.
0: Hmm. And I'm kind of, cheesily, I'm looking forward to games that I don't know about. I really do want to put a little more, little bit more time, a little bit more investment into indie games, and indie games Mm. tend to be announced and then come out a few months later or just suddenly suddenly appear on a radar. So my game of the year 2018, I probably don't even know about it. Yeah, and, and, and I'm really hoping that... And there's goes.
1: also that thing, of like the, the, the bigger publishers, I lose track of when things are coming out because cause all the games are so big now and they're all announced so early and often without release dates. I'm frequently surprised. Like, is the new God of War game next year? I do so can't remember like is is Anthem next year? I can't really remember. So I often find myself quite surprised about what actually is coming up in in any given year.
0: I think Anthem is next year, but I think it would be lost in the whole Q four yeah. kerfuffle. Um, I'm trying to think what else we've got. Crackdown three. I loved the first one, hated yeah. the second one. So I'm kind of holding judgment on the third one. I'm hoping you know Sumo and 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 the team don't let us down on that one. Um, what else have we got? There's, there, is, there is loads there's been, there's Sea of, happens, it, sea of uh, Thieves
1: it's, it's, is coming it's... up next year isn't
0: it yeah Sea of Thieves I absolutely love the idea of that I do and Chris obviously our publisher is going absolutely mental for it because both he and I are, are long time Rare fans and we've actually played a couple of um, matches at, at Rare um, which was amazing but Again it's it's, an, it's that that online centric experience and, and and unfortunately that just doesn't fit into yeah. my lifestyle, which really frustrates me because that's where the industry is going to these online connected experiences. I mean I, I have not played a single match. No, party. no,
1: nor me. I, it's, it, it's too dangerous. It, I'm not I'm not gonna go that <laughs> so I haven't got time for a multiplayer game to take over my life because if I do that, if I if I get no. into PUBG, it means I just won't play any other games for six straight months. In fact, I think we're probably the most PUBG averse team in the whole of the games press. I don't think any of us have quite probably,
0: it. yes. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like multiplayer games, I love the idea of them. I love the concept of them, but they take they require time and effort to to master them and, or to at least yeah. survive at some point. I mean. Um, going back to Star Wars Battlefront 2 like, I dip into the online mode but I am just making it easier for all the other players because they're so much better than me because they are just playing that game I don't have time to dedicate to that game because I've got other games to be playing even if I didn't have a wife and a child I have other games to be playing and I can't dedicate myself to one as you say but that's what's required this is why as much I love the idea of Anthem I don't know if I'll be able to get into it I haven't even started Destiny 2 you know? yeah I agree Still, it's going to be an interesting year. Interesting year. Um, we're going to be back with Brendan in, uh, after a short break um, to talk about his games of the year. Uh, yeah, Matthew, thank you. No so worries, uh, James.
1: Thank you for your help this year, and we look forward to the next one.
0: Before we head off, I'm joined by Brendan Sinclair from uh, the US side of GamesIndustry.biz. How are you doing, Brendan?
2: I am doing okay. Happy to almost be done with 2017.
0: Yes. I don't, I, I'm divided, because on the one hand, it feels like the year has only just started. Like, I'm not entirely sure where the year has gone. On the other hand, it's like, how is 2018 not here yet?
2: <laughs> it's It's been brutal. It's been tough. But, but... I can't wait. <laughs> 2018... Has to be a better year. Maybe not necessarily for games, but for the world. You would hope for so. Games, for games, 2017 was was pretty good. By it, by much
0: it was. I watched a nice little um, montage on YouTube uh, earlier, and it's like actually this would be really, really good games come out this year. Um, I mean, which obviously we've been discussing with uh, the rest of the UK team to, to start with. But I mean, Brendan, any particular highlights of yours? What what have you been playing this year?
2: <clears throat> I honestly. I have not played as much as I have in recent years, and I think uh, you can probably relate to this. Uh, A good bit of it is is that whole having a child thing. Oh, yes. And when you have a child, and then the games that you play suck up hundreds of hours of your gaming time, you you maybe don't get as much of a diversity of experiences as you normally do. So like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Loved that. That was phenomenal. Uh, I'm sure everyone just got done gushing about it on the UK side there. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey was fantastic. And uh, one that I'm guessing was not brought up uh, on on the UK conversation, Kaldsept Revolt on the Nintendo 3DS, which still exists.
0: Now, on the off chance that... (laughs) So, what is it about that one that you like, though? Because I have to say, that's not really on my radar. Concept,
2: yeah, concept isn't. It's it hasn't changed much over the years, uh, and it's it's been sort of a niche thing. But it's basically a combination of Monopoly and Magic: The Gathering, and it's it's just this really cool game mechanic tied up in like a you know standard. JRPG sort of uh, trappings and story, but the the game itself is it is just deep enough to be really interesting in the mechanics that you can kind of combine and gives you freedom to play the game uh, a bit expressively. You know, find your own card combos and such, your own style that you think works well. Um, but it's also not so open-ended and intimidating like magic the gathering right now where there's like decades of card sets and really obscure rules and uh, sort of a difficult time getting a, a full grasp of what's in magic the gathering from from a standing start at this point
0: that's interesting as we said any of these kind of card trading games even like on mobile i just i can't even get into because like you say like they're often so complex and so deep and you have to spend a lot of time almost studying the game system yeah so this is a bit more accessible then is it
2: i think the things that uh i i love the most about this is that uh i think this game first came out in the uh late 90s and i know there was a dreamcast version in japan um but it hasn't, like I said, it hasn't changed all that much. And that means that even though it's a customizable card game at the heart of it, uh, it still works the same way it did. You, it's not a microtransaction-driven, hey, we're going to really frustrate you and force you to spend money to buy new packs of cards kind of thing. Hmm. Like, there's some DLC for the game, but it's just like, I want to buy a different, you know, avatar for, for my main character or something like that. it's they, They've somehow managed to release a game in 2017 that is perfectly suited for microtransactions and recurrent consumer spending and doesn't actually take advantage of that. Like, the restraint is incredible, I think.
0: I imagine that restraint is going to become increasingly rare.
2: Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I have since... since buying new packs of cards with the, the money that you earn from just playing the games is, is like the core loop, practically. Um, there have been a lot of times in this game when I've been playing it and I'm like, you know, I really wish I had a few more copies of this card. I'm not earning cards fast enough for my liking. Mm. But so we're a Free to Play game, microtransaction game, I would see that and I would say, those rotten so-and-sos are just trying to juice me for every last dollar. And when you don't have that that in the back of your mind, when you're not looking at every mechanic in the game through that lens, it's kind of refreshing to just look at it and say, I'm frustrated. They wanted me to be frustrated. This was an intentional decision to, to dole these out at just this pace because that's the way to work. And that's, that's just kind of incredible to me that like the the perception changes so drastically of a game when you when you remove like the company's profit motivation from its design decisions.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. because I I spend a lot of time playing on my I say a lot of time. I, a lot of the games I end up playing are on mobile and I kind of just dip in and out of them because within largely because I will download free games free-to-play games and then within a week or so it's like right I clearly can't get much more done without spending money but like I say you 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 go into those games with the you're you're determined to not spend money and you're reluctant to let to enjoy the game almost whereas this is a complete opposite this is as you say you're going in without that reservation without that I'm now skeptical of what these people are trying to do that's quite that's quite cool
2: yeah I I generally don't do free-to-play games like I am actually much more likely to to take a flyer on a mobile game, if it's premium, like if it's charging me a couple bucks or something, then I'm I just have more confidence that there's an actual substantial experience there, and not just you know the same the same old grind, but with a different IP layered on top.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and this year, I don't know if you've played it, but Hidden Folks is uh, it just came out on Android. In the last week or so, and it is delightful.
0: That is a glorious game. I played that. I haven't played the full thing, but I played um, an earlier version of it at an indie games contest I helped get, judge earlier in the year, and it's just brilliant. Like the 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 style, the art, the humour to it, like the, the, sound.
2: the sound, the sound, the sound, Just just some dude going. It,
0: it's all one bloke, isn't it? It's all one bloke doing sound effects, and there's things like you you cut grass and he goes. Shh. It's like it's just brilliant
2: it's it's what you want a game to be right it's it's fun it's playful you experiment you're like hey i wonder what happens when i touch this thing oh nothing hmm. how about this thing oh and if i touch it again oh wow that's cool and you know it's, it's such a simple thing it's like where's waldo but it's just you know like if someone took where's waldo and then decided let's do this in a digital format and take advantage of the kind of you know surprise and exploration that video games can offer.
0: What I love is and, it's, it's like Where's Waldo, but rather than looking for Waldo, you're looking for you know you get those lists at the back of the Waldo books for all the little bonus jokes and Easter eggs in each scene. It's like yeah. you're just looking for those, which is always the more infuriating part of the Waldo books.
2: <laughs> it's I, I would recommend that game uh, basically to anyone. And it's it's premium. I think it was like four dollars Canadian, three or four dollars, something like that. But yeah, I'm, I get so much more enjoyment out of that than uh, playing like uh, I, I just played um, a bunch of Facebook games for for their Games of the Year um, thing. They asked me to be a judge, and a lot of those uh, I, I wasn't familiar with to start with, but. They're just, you jump into them, and then it holds your hand through a tutorial section, and it's the exact same game, just with here's a different brand on top of it. And it's the same bewildering blizzard of currencies and timers, and there's no actual decisions that the player is really being asked to make. You're just sort of juggling. The same things keeping them in the air and it's already told you like okay well here's kind of an optimal way to do this uh and it's it's just disappointing that that like so much of the the games industry is kind of narrowed down to this really you know simple brain dead but profitable formula
0: it's amazing how effective some of those can be i played um gram games merge dragons um early this year so match three game where rather than a grid and you're matching like just a grid of gems to kind of clear the gems instead it's kind of an isometric landscape and you're moving objects within that landscape so like plants or pillars or whatever next to other things you know other identical items then then they merge and then they give you the different rewards and stuff and you know it's got the typical kind of freeze play stuff it's got different levels and you've got a path to progress through but in between that you then have your base camp which is just a seemingly endless level that you have to it's along the lines of basically you have to match three plants together um in order to uh generate life and then the life heals the land and the more land you heal the bigger it gets and the more plants you need and And, I th- and it's it's simple stuff, and it's just simple, relaxing stuff. And I was surprised to find I was actually playing it for about two weeks before realizing, no, hang on. And you then get to that point where it's like, no, hang on. I'm not making any progress here. My progress has slowed down so badly that I need to play every single day for about 20 minutes, half an hour, in order to just make the tiniest progress. I'm done. Quick. Delete this.
2: Yeah. And the, the Match 3 games, it's, it's a good mechanic. I played Marvel Puzzle Quest for three years, mm. and... It, it eventually you just play it to the point where you're not really making any any conscious decisions anymore you're just going through the motions there was another another of the, the Facebook games I played and and I liked this game uh, it was called June's journey and it's basically one of those you know pick out the item in the in the cluttered scene kind of games uh, and it's wrapped around like a murder mystery in the narrative and the, the hidden object games are, you know, they're, they're simple. They're, they're fun enough. And they, they throw stories at you every now and then that are, you know, they can be interesting enough, which is, which is cool. But what struck me about that is that I, I get to the scene of the crime. I I go through one of these, you know, find the hidden objects things. And then the person that I'm there to talk to says, I really want to talk to you about this, but we don't have a place to sit outside this mansion and discuss this. So then you have to go into like this store interface in order to buy patio chairs and a table outside. And it's like half the game is going to be, you know, updating and improving this house in order to have like places to talk to people (laughs) about murder that happened and it's like if if you're investigating a murder you have more pressing things on your mind than whether or not you've got like the right wallpaper in the guest room
0: that's 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 brilliant
2: (laughs) but it's like it's just the way they take the same mechanics and they they, you know plaster them on the entire breadth of games that that they make in in free-to-play and I'm sorry. This is this is supposed to be a game of the year like <laughs> a podcast, and I've I've just completely like focused on on the negative. I guess even even talking about Caldecet, I was like, I love it because it's not terrible. Like all this other stuff.
0: But doesn't that speak volumes as to where the industry has gone this year, particularly over the last year, you a know, couple of months with the loot box rubbish? Like yeah, you
2: know, yeah. It also speaks volumes to how much fun I am at parties. But yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Something a bit more positive then, like, and then obviously, like, we've discussed this al- already. But Zelda, what is it about Zelda that you enjoyed? Because I think we've we've kind of agreed that that is the team's kind of collected game of the year. What is it that spoke to you particularly?
2: Oh, here we go again. What I love about Zelda is that Nintendo did it differently than they've been doing Zelda for the past twenty years, uh, and it's it's more. It reminded me a lot more of the original Zelda you know it's it's there's some tutorial handholding stuff but nowhere near the degree of other Zelda's they they're just kind of they're dropping you off into this world and you want to explore the world and and it allows that it supports that you know if, if you see something in the distance you can get there and you've got this uh this climbing mechanic and the fatigue meter which other games have had fatigue meters but like just being able to climb absolutely anywhere gives you that sense that you can do things that aren't in the main line of what the developer wanted you to do. So you have a more genuine sense of exploration when you see things and like, can I make it up there? And you can maybe you barely make it to the ledge and it takes the last of your meter and you have to like eat five different stamina replenishing meals while you're still clinging to the rock face. And then you get up there, and then you look around, and you're like, "Oh wait, no, there was there was like kind of a slope that I could easily have walked up and gone <laughs> around." But it's it's just kind of open like that, and and the game's um, physics, the physics system is is so open, and and the abilities with the magnesis and the stasis, and the way they all interact, just it produces chaos sometimes, but it also produces. A multitude of ways to solve even simple problems mm, and, the, and the designers allow for that even, even in the shrines where they don't let you climb on anything that you want there's still a number of times where I've I've done something it's kind of like oh I, I see how they wanted me to do this I went and did it this easier way and maybe it was kind of cheap and cheating but I still got through.
0: Yeah it's an interesting balance isn't it like I, I, there was a shrine where they clearly, the developers clearly have designed it so that you are meant to pick up a stick and light a torch and then light various different bits of like dried up ivy to reveal certain things. And obviously, it's a convoluted path if you're just carrying a flame on a stick or a torch. But I had a lot of fire arrows, so I just went in and cleared the room out and I had the spirit orb within it must have been like a minute at the most. And I kind of <laughs> felt like I cheated, but that's the point. They want you to experiment and do things your way. So it's like, no, actually I've done this right. And it's weird getting your head around that.
2: It's really frustrating in game when they give you tools and then you get to a point where like, man, it would be great to use these tools. and like, no, no, you can't do that. This is, we want you to figure it out our, our way, you know, do it our, our pain in the butt way. And, and it's kind of, um, it's like when you get into a shrine and you realize, wait, I can't climb anything. And that's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found so yourself in, still... in
0: other games, as in Norm's yeah. are, like, trying to climb everything? I found I was playing Super Mario. I finally started Super Mario Odyssey, and I found myself trying to climb up buildings. I'm like, why? I ca- I can't do this. I can't do this here. <laughs> Mario is about jumping. Of course, I can jump up there somehow. But yeah, you just you feel like even Assassin's Creed. I started Assassin's Creed Origins, which has always been about climbing. And even Assassin's Creed, you cannot climb quite as much as you can in Zelda which makes no sense but is glorious
2: yeah now zelda zelda is just it's it's brilliant and so it's such a beautiful game and it's it's just so rewarding and it takes so many risks i guess with the series formula uh i i hope nintendo tries to reinvent all their franchises like this
0: Definitely, definitely. And um, before we head off and and we leave you to your, your Christmas break, um, I was asking the other guys as well. But what's your uh, most anticipated game for twenty eighteen? What are you most looking forward to?
2: Oh, probably Insomniac Spider Man. Yes,
0: that looks so that,
2: good. <laughs> I I haven't played it, demo of it or anything like that, and I just. I think Insomniac's an amazing developer. I love the Ratchet & Clank series. Um, I, I want to see what their take on Spider-Man is, because he's. I think that's a really difficult superhero to, to turn into a really fun game. Uh, I think Neversoft kind of cracked the code most of the way with the original PlayStation Spider-Man. Mm. And since then everyone's just been kind of building on that template adding a little bit to it and changing it but but the fundamentals of that seem the same and i don't uh, i don't know exactly how insomniac's going to going to go about that but i i trust them to to do a good job of it and the upside like the potential for them to do a phenomenal job of it is still there
0: absolutely Definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to, to that one myself. Like, as you say, like it's been years since a, a good Spider-Man game. Like we obviously had the the original Spider-Man two, the film tie-in back in what
2: 2004,
0: um, and that was phenomenal. And then everything since has either tried to build on that formula, or has veered too far away from it that it doesn't quite feel like a Spider-Man game. It just feels like a weird action game. So I'm looking. It, it just the, the just the trailers alone look incredible. Um, and yeah I've, I've seen people say oh it just looks like they're trying to do a Spider-Man version of the Batman Arkham games so what that sounds amazing <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Brendan. Um, We're going to let you get back to your Christmas break because we're all signing off soon. We're going to be back on the 2nd of January. That's when GamesIndustry.biz resumes normal service. Uh, In the meantime, you can obviously go to our site and find any kind of breaking news or uh, look through our our industry uh, insight and analysis. We've obviously got our People of the Year pieces to read through. We've just put up a piece of uh, GamesIndustry highlights, so highlights as chosen by members of the games industry, ranging from big executives to famous developers so all of that can obviously be found at gamesindustry.biz have a merry christmas everyone and see you all in the new year